podcast for October 30th, 2009. Uh, I want to go around the virtual table and introduce the guys. Um, Jeff Simpson from the Las Vegas Sun and In Business Las Vegas. Hey, Jeff. Greetings, guys. Mr. Chuck S. Monster from uh, VegasTripping.com. What's happening, Chuck? Not much. Good afternoon, and hello, Jeff. (laughs) Good afternoon. Dr. Dave Schwartz from UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. Hey. Hey. Um, I'm Hunter, and I am at RateVegas.com. Um, we're going to start today by doing a very quick set of semi-announcements um, and a little recap of last week and a half or whenever that was. Um, first, I want to mention, um, and Chuck, maybe I'll have you explain this, but uh, the nominations for the trippies are open, yes? Yes, they are. Uh, the Trippies, as uh, I'm sure many of you know, is our annual Reader's Poll Awards, wherein uh, interested parties can vote on their favorite and least favorite stuff in Vegas. Primarily, we're in the uh, tourist corridor. We don't really cover the local casinos and all that stuff, you know, but I did throw Tuscany into the options there because some guy emails us every year, how come you don't have Tuscany? It's my favorite joint. I actually had to look it up where it's tough for me, but <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it's it's our it's our fun little thing, and 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 you know, you get to vote for your favorite stuff. Right now, we're in the nomination phase, so the things that get the most nominations for all these award categories will be pitted against each other in a rough and tumble uh, competition uh, from the middle of November till uh, probably early December, give or take. And we will announce the winners in early January. This is, I think, the fifth year of doing this. I can't even believe it's been this long. Well, if, if I've, I've already decided that if I don't win Best Hotel, that I'm going to quit the Internet. So putting that, <laughs> just putting that out there. Yeah. Well, now at least I know why the Tuscany hasn't won Best Resort the last few years. <laughs> You've never been in there, Chuck? It's actually kind of a cool, cool little place. I was joking. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway, um, listeners, <laughs> please uh, go check it out. Um, I'm sure many of you guys have participated in the past, but just a little heads up in case you missed the announcement that the nominations are open. Um, moving on to our next little um, top of the show bit. Uh, last time, I can't even remember, what was it? A couple of weeks ago now, um, was uh, Vegas Podcast of Palooza. Uh, we had a great time. Um, thanks again to everybody that was able to come out, and thanks to those that were listening on the um, on the UStream thingamabobber. Um, we had fun. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about um, how successful, quote-unquote, we were in our interview, because uh, there's been people have sort of post-gamed it a little bit, and it's kind of interesting. But no matter what you think of that, it was a good time, and um, I had a lot of fun meeting people and hanging out and uh, all that good stuff. So um, thanks again, and we'll probably do it next year. So, um, you know, we'll try to give people as much time as possible to make their travel plans, um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. So using that as a very poor segue um, – the focus of our interview at Podcast Palooza was on City Center, and um, since then, uh, there's been a little bit more information that's come out here and there. 
Um, I know for a fact that um, that Chuck, you've seen some photos of the inside of Aria. I've seen them as well. Um, and uh, you know, I wanted to talk about that real quick, and I wanted to get Chuck. I wanted to get your um, opinion on those. I know you've written about them a little bit, but based on what you've seen so far, what do you think? Uh, you know, um, I, I, it's, I really don't want to pass judgment on this because the, 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 photo, the state of, of the interiors of the hotel in the photos is, you know, it's a construction zone. There, you, can, you can see stuff. There's a lot of stuff there, but you can tell it's extremely not finished. You know, there's scaffolding, ladders, there's construction boxes everywhere, so you can't really get a full – feeling of the ambiance and and the lighting and how the whole thing is kind of going to fall together. That being said, uh, uh, and this could be part of the, you know, the fact that the lighting hasn't been fully turned on and directionalized and whatnot, but it seems really dark in there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm, 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 I'm feeling still uh, confused as to what Aria is. And maybe that's a good thing and maybe it's a bad thing. I, I don't really understand what is kind of tying this whole thing together. And uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to, to finally walk into the place after, all, you know, we've all been studying this for so many years, is to, to see exactly what it is. And part of, part of the, it's part of the reason why I asked Gordon the question and reiterated it twice to him, uh, to get him to give me a really concise, small, bite-sized definition of what is ARIA? What are we going to get here? What should we look forward to? How can we explain it to a friend who's never heard of it? How would we, we, we tell, you know, and I asked him twice, and we, I didn't really give, I think, an effective answer. Uh, and, and I can see why now, after looking inside and seeing the, uh, the decor and the way things are laid out, and the way the, uh, like the, uh, the uniforms were just unveiled in the sun the other day, uh, it's it's my general feeling is this is becoming it's like a uh, couture uh, metropolitan uh, resort uh, without any direct uh, thematic things that are kind of holding it together. Just like the the way Mirage, uh, the redesign of Mirage, I guess you call it Mirage uh, 2.0, was they they hired all of these different. Uh, engineering and design firms, each one to tackle a specific spot of the resort with, uh, you know, and use those flavors kind of like a chef to make a new sort of modern kind of casino thing, whatever it is. So I, I really feel like the Mirage, uh, with, with a touch of the uh, M Resort kind of style of mm-hmm. Mirage, Mm-hmm. Uh, with a little bit of like red rocks, you know, kind of glittery sort of things, but some of the encore separated casino, you know, there's like seems like there's like little cubby holes, little areas, like little private kind of spaces. Take that all, kind of throw it into a mishmash in a pot, you know, stir it around, and then you know, uh, I don't even, I, and throw it all out onto the floor and see what kind of happens. Um, my gut feeling. And this is probably it's I shouldn't even say this is uh I don't feel that what they're going to come out with is going to be around for long. I think they're gonna make a lot of changes after people, normal people, uh fanny packers and knuckleheads 
which of which I'm the second category, you know, walk through this place. I think they're going to make a lot of changes to things. But, you know, I'm, I'm jumping the gun saying that. But, yeah. Hunter, I really want to know what you, what you think, Hunter. You haven't really been too verbose about it, so... Yeah. Um, well, again, like like you said, um, I'm reluctant to pass any kind of judgment because looking at blurry photos of a construction site is probably, you know, that's not the way that these designers intended people to experience it the first time. So, um, you know, it's I think it's definitely quote unquote unfair to um, go out and say, oh, this is great or this is terrible based on what I've seen. But I'm gonna share my thoughts anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I what you said about sort of the uh, sort of a mishmash of different designs. I think I got the same impression, and it's interesting because um, you know that's used successfully in other places. Uh, for instance, you know, I know Wind Design and Development uses multiple designers for different for different things. Um, though there's always you know someone co sort of coordinating at the top. Um, and you know, this could be a, an interesting topic for discussion in the future with an MGM design person to really talk about their process once once uh, Aria opens. But yeah, I mean, definitely some elements of of the Mirage Casino um, redo. I mean, if you like the sort of look of the high limit room at the Mirage, um, sort of mixed in a blender with, with uh, a couple of other things, I mean, that's kind of the vibe that I got. There's definitely a couple of things that make me just go, whoa, like the um, poker room has this has these cards that um, are at the giant playing cards, sort of like Alice in Wonderland kind of situation um, at the at the entrance, and I, you know, I don't know. I'm hoping that that looks a lot better in person because yeah. I I saw that and thought that looked pretty darn cheesy. Yeah, um, it did easy. Yeah, I mean the place is really the photos make it look very dark, um, but again, you know, it's uh, not not fully lit and all that all that good stuff. Um, you know, I it, it's their marketing message, as you alluded to, is sort of undefined. Um, you know, the question is this: they're not coming out to say Aria, you know, forget Bellagio. Aria is the be-all, end-all of luxury. They're not willing to come out and say that. And maybe they're hedging a little bit, you know, knowing that Bellagio is a significant money maker and not wanting to hurt it in any way. But um, that sort of takes away from the grand uh, uh, grandness of of Aria and. <clears throat> putting it at the top of the at the top of the pecking order. Um I I don't know. It it's going to be very interesting to see to see it in person and um and then look back at these photos and and try to see if I was poorly served by by looking at this stuff in advance or whether um or whether it was illuminating and I don't you know no pun intended because it does the photos are very dark. One thing one thing is for sure though is that the the quality uh, you know of of design workmanship of some of the features just like the way the walls kind of you know they they're like these weird trapezoidal spaces that kind of like bend and and crinkle there isn't too many like if it's straight like drywall in a lot of places you know there's like yeah. things that kind of bend and like droop right. wood it's like things are like carved out of polished woods you know that look like some weird underground lair you know, in terms of a place you could take acid and freak out in, I think definitely it's up there, probably in in my top five places that I'd 
you know, definitely, you know, end up in the corner somewhere jumping and screaming because it's so freaky looking. A lot of the 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 the, the, uh, the interior designs, and it's it's different from like Bellagio. It's not just like drapes and sconces and things like that. This is real workmanship of of things that took construction guys a long time to build. The, there are um, what looks like very high-quality sets of components that were put in. I mean, some amazing stonework, some great, some great-looking wood. It, part of that, I mean, but you look at these different photos, and you would think that they one was on planet Mars and one was on planet Venus. I mean, they look so different from one yeah. spot to another that it's, it you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they took that too far. If if it's not if if there's not a thread of cohesion that. Uh, that will make it seem like harmonious. The other thing, and just since it's sort of esoteric, the carpet, very uninspiring. <laughs> um, Dave, I thought of you when I saw this carpet. I mean, it, it. you know, we've had some good carpets recently at some of the newer places. This is like a throwback to very generic, um, very boring casino carpet. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of a disappointment. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of the Luxor, the, the new stuff there. Yeah, I I you know Aria I'm very very interested and excited. The other thing to, that I try to remind myself is how much money went into this place. I mean it, the dollar amount is is staggering. I mean you can't really uh, break out the cost components for the various parts of city center that easily. But it's so much money. The all the opportunities to hit a home run were there. Did they do it? I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I think one of the biggest concerns is going to be how well does it hold up under, you know, 4,000 or 8,000 guests or however many thousand guests a day being in there. You know, I think it's one thing to build something that's really well constructed and looks great on opening night. I think it's going to have to take a lot of abuse. And uh, as Chuck's review of the Bellagio showed, these places do take a lot of abuse. So it's got to be, in addition to it looking great, it's got to be functional. So I think that's another concern. Yeah, there are some stunning spots. I really like the um, the pieces I've seen of the main guest check-in that has the uh, Maya Lin Colorado River um, piece in it. I think that looks pretty uh, pretty amazing. And I think during the day with the light coming through these this huge wall of glass, I think it's going to be pretty stunning. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it it uh, I didn't I didn't leave looking at this stuff thinking, uh, wow, this is going to be the most amazing place ever. I guess it probably gave me more questions than answers. I, I think that um, one of the things is I, I've, I've been very impressed as this development has grown up from the ground, um, but I'm, I'm a little concerned. Um, I, you know, I'm very hopeful that it will do well, but the more I see of the tightly packed, um, architecturally interesting buildings, the more it makes me wonder if because I'm a Las Vegan, I'm sort of excited or interested in something that's different for us. To me, this group of buildings, um, it, it's like sophisticated urban architecture. We really don't have that in Las Vegas. I think even through Wynn and Encore, all of the other themed, and then, and then additionally the themed resorts, you look at them and you know that's not a, you know, that's not some office building or something. Not to say city center looks like office buildings, but it does look to me like what you might expect, um, the colors, 
the grays, the silvers, um, you know, the the blue of the Harmon um, is not going to be, of course, as prominent. Um, the the leaning towers of Veer uh, make it somewhat different, and there is um, the yellow color there. But but taken as a whole, and unfortunately for for City Center, you really can't separate out Cosmopolitan from that project. Um, even though it isn't part of the project, looked at from, um, I think most people will think it is part of the project, is looking at it. And to me, it looks like, you know, maybe a a big core of, a, of some other major cities downtown that's sort of, you know, carved out and, and placed, you know, sort of artificially in Las Vegas. Um, you know, I, I think... For us, it looks very cool, and I'm hoping that that will be the response from visitors from around the country and around the world. But I'm worried that for those people, it's not going to look all that all that unbelievable. It might look you know different for Las Vegas, but they may, but at least for urban folks, um, for people who live in and around our you know the world's biggest cities, they're going to look at that and it won't be it won't say this is fantastic i think that there is a sense uh, in the in the existing big hotels of the of sort of the difference of what las vegas has whether it's entertainment very flashy marquees from the the old treasure island one to the balloon at paris um some of the colors that are involved you know um the win and encore with the incredible colors um bellagio with the chaluli sculpture even the check-in areas you guys mentioned the very the very um well lighted check-in area at aria and with a beautiful silver structure but it's sort of muted sort of understated not you know like the chaluli sculpture at 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 Bellagio, not like the multicolored and tropical goldfish, I mean tropical fish um, aquarium at at Mirage, not even like the giant video screens at MGM Grand. And so, I'm 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 concerned that the for the the non Las Vegas public that they're going to look at this and be less inspired maybe than we are by something that truly is different for here. I I love it. I mean, I love the look of the place. I love the the sort of, you know, the sophistication of, you know, modern of modern architecture. I think it's going to be a very cool thing for us, but what it really needs to be is cool for the world. And, you know, I'm not sure about that. So I'm hopeful that it is, but I am skeptical that it is. Well, you know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if I can fall back on my academic roots, um, <laughs> I w- what what you were saying, Jeff, reminded me a little bit of uh, Venturi Scott and Brown's learning from Las Vegas, where they made the difference between the heroic and modern architecture that a lot of the modern architects were doing, where they were building skyscrapers that were really these soaring statements, you know, kind of Howard Work type things, as opposed to the ugly and ordinary architecture that most of the commercial architects are doing you know, in strip malls and stuff like that. And they said uh, Las Vegas is great because this is really ugly and ordinary stuff. There's a lot of the decorated sheds that they call them, which is just a big building with stuff on it, like the big neon signs. And really, that's where Las Vegas has been. It's, it's very whimsical stuff. It's not very heroic. City center is a total change because it is really heroic architecture. It's making a statement. And the 
question is, are, is that going to attract people? Do people want to see that? And I think it's possible it might, but, you know, the non-heroic stuff also is a pretty good track record. I, I, I agree. I think that that is, that is exactly the, the question, whether people will respond, particularly people from out of the, out of the market. I mean, I agree. For, for those of us who live here, we've never seen anything like this. And so, you know, we, you know, for me, I love it. It's like, oh, bringing something, you know, that, that really ties us in with some of the, you know, the, the, the great cities around the world. I mean, these aren't, you know, Shanghai and Hong Kong and, and, uh, you know, those, um, Singapore level structures in terms of height and, and scope, but they are brilliantly designed. Um, but I think that that's the question is whether that's the kind of thing people looking for a weekend or a multi-day getaway are going to like. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see how the uh, consumers respond. Yeah, I also suspect that it is a themed group of buildings. It's not, you know, it's not a pirate theme or a medieval theme or something obvious like that, but it does seem that it's built with this idea of modernism and minimalism in mm-hmm. mind, you know, not just kind of naturally building what Joe Public wants, you know, the way, uh, you know, a housing subdivision or commercial strip mall would. So even though there's a lot of talk about it not being themed, I think it definitely looks different than something that was just built by, you know, an architect who somebody said, build me 4,000 rooms, and this was the first thing that came to mind. I think that it will be interesting when people can actually get in on the site and onto the city center drive that winds among those buildings. Um, From what I understand, that's going to be a very critical part of the connectivity between those properties. Um, I was wondering what you guys think about the proximity of Cosmopolitan. Does that sort of corrupt the experience in, in any way for you guys or, or, or change it or interfere with it or affect it? Or do you guys think that, you know, the fact that there are two big buildings that are part of a yet-to-open hotel really won't have much of an effect on the public's perception of the property? Well, if I well, jump in this again real yeah. quick, um, it, it's really hard to explain to people from out of town what, which one is Cosmopolitan, what city right. center, like which one city center. Um, so I think it's kind of it's lost to a lot of people. I think the other very the other big concern is what about Monte Carlo and New York, New York, which kind of, it makes it very obvious like okay this is the modern Vegas, this is city center, and this is not. And they're kind of juxtaposed. So I think it it also creates a little bit of a, a conflict there aesthetically. I I personally think that the Cosmo buildings are somewhat ugly, um, especially compared to city center. They look sort of like the it almost I, I can imagine someone that didn't know anything about the project looking at it and th- and thinking they were like city center ran out of money and started building ugly buildings <laughs> as part of their compound. I mean they look like they sort of belong, but they are nowhere near as nice looking, um, especially right up on the street. I mean I I don't know I think the cosmopolitan complex is at least for me ended up looking significantly worse than I originally thought it was going to. Um, and you know the fact that its operating situation is so clouded it isn't isn't a great thing either. I mean I think it's you know it's kind of too bad that it is it is going to have a role in this important opening. Um, one I'm, thing that I'm, oh, go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, I'm I'm actually hopeful about cosmopolitan, and I have no evidence or reason to be, uh, but I'm just hoping that possibly. 
somebody might be able to throw a like really high level, high quality O'Shea's or something right in the middle between all of these things. You know, so because people know where O'Shea's is, but they don't really know. Oh, is it part of Eras? Is it part of the Imperial Palace? Is it part of Flamingo? You know, it, it was, you know what? It, where is this? What is this? You know, of course we all know now, but you know, whatever ten years ago, nobody did. But uh, you know, I, I I love to have a nice boutique, comfortable, small hip yet groovy yet playable yet fun independent kind of joint right in the middle of all that kind of stuff i think that would be fantastic it, it would it would be a, a great release from the the, the the uh the the inherent tension of bellagio and stuffiness and and the uh presupposed self-importance of city center i think something whimsical and kind of kooky and kind of like spilling martinis would really be fantastic a fun you know, positive, right up against the street, noise spilling out into the into the onto the boulevard. Place would be fantastic. I, I'm, I'm my, one of the first things I want to do when I get onto the site there at City Center is count how many steps it takes to get from the sidewalk to the first slot machine because it looks like it's a half mile or a mile and a half or five miles. I don't even know how far away it is. And and they've kind of developed themselves into a box. They can't move that stuff closer. It's Maybe that's why Harris might want to buy uh, Planet Hollywood so they can build one of their alleys of carnivals or something around it. Yeah, there you go. You know, Chuck, one thing I wanted to ask you, because, you know, you had a post on Vegas Tripping that was somewhat um, critical of the ARIA marketing message, and I think this sort of ties into that. I'm wondering – they are they are opening this casino in a social media heavy environment, and it's interesting to see how that sort of changes things. Because look at look at how this is unfolding. I mean, we have more information about the sort of quote unquote like secret interiors than we've had for many projects in the past. This stuff is leaking out of these companies like it never has before. Um, and part of the fun, and honestly, an important part of their marketing message, in marketing situation is sort of this big reveal and that is that somewhat harmed by the fact that um, this information is not really being able to be kept secret anymore uh, I don't know I don't I don't my gut feeling is there's two things that, that that is that I don't think the people at MGM fully understand their product I think the concept and the uh, the execution is over the head of of the uh, street level people. It's kind of you know they got the architects and the brain trust there figured out some big high-minded artsy concept, and it doesn't fully translate. And because they don't have a uh, a tombow debt win to uh, stand on top of the building and say, this is the coolest thing you've ever seen, you got to come here. Uh, they're, they're sort of like a rudderless ship. This, the second part of this is that it's, it's, it could very well be that they ran out of money to really spend on a big, huge marketing campaign, and they're just going to try and open this thing a little more quietly and then maybe do a bigger bang in the future. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say, but it I think you know people are definitely commenting on the lack of uh, in-your-face marketing campaign for Aria, uh, and the, you know they've commented on this a little bit. I think there was an interview with Feldman, maybe it was in a Sun article, I can't remember, talking about that and basically saying you know we're going to have a p- big party on opening night, but um, 
sort of the rest of the the rest of the campaign is somewhat understated and I guess you could make an argument that it is, you know, economy related or <clears throat> could be, you know, all sorts of different factors, but definitely um they're not hitting your head over it. I mean, it's the Southern California and typically when these places open, we're somewhat inundated with marketing stuff. Uh, I remember that for both Win and Encore. Um and I I can't I don't think I've seen anything for Aria at all. Well, don't you I mean, I I I know what Feldman said to the and I think it was a son a son story that uh he talked about the marketing plan. He said that it would be out of place to make it some, you know, grandiose, crazy, you know, month long, you know, celebration of, you know, everything in 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 Las Vegas and, you know, um but they are going to have, you know, they are going to do all of the typical nuts and bolts A, B, C, D opening things. So I think you'll see, you know, and this isn't setting the bar very high, but you'll see um, a, a definitely a stronger marketing approach than we saw with Palazzo or or uh, um, Venetian. But we and, and but it might be. Probably, you know, I would say that there was a qualitative difference between Encore and Win, yes, um, with Encore being much more muted. And I think yes. that, you know, they're going to tailor it to see how much bang they can get for the buck. I mean, Win Win opened at the best time in Las Vegas history to open a new property. Probably um, the only property within a couple of years, either forward or back. Um, so a pretty huge window to be the only new property, um, and with a, a huge, um, d- you know, a huge um, expectation, waiting to see what Wynn was going to do after such a long absence. Um, Encore opened, and you know, so far it w- it's been the hotel to open with the toughest environment, um, and you know, it remains to be seen if Ari is going to match the the uh, abysmal environment that Encore opened in. So I don't think that's a big surprise. I think that you're, that Chuck hits on something sort of interesting in terms of the company itself. Um, you know, Wynn does have that persona, um, and when he opened his properties, that was something he could lend to it. Um, the You know, Wynn has long liked to talk about how the dreamers, the guy, you know, Jay Sarno building Caesar's Palace and even, you know, Circus, um, of course, he's talking about himself. Um, and and uh, and even to give Kirk Kerkorian, you know, some credit for the international and Bally's, although those weren't, um, you know, quite what Wynn had in mind probably. But, you know, this hotel is um, a gym. It's Jim Murray. Um, even though he wasn't in charge of the company, um, it was his vision for the property, um, his idea um, to have the you know the urban um, city um, you know sort of you know mixed use residential retail all these things so close together, um, and uh, and so he I don't you know he's tried to get out there he's been on, been in the media but he has not translated that into sort of a Public, uh, a, a public persona yet that can match some of those other people. Um, it will be interesting to see how MGM plays Murrett. Um, will they set him up as you know the man behind City Center, the guy you know because that's a double-edged sword. Um, the thing successful 
you know, Murren gets Murren gets more credit. The thing has trouble. He uh, takes more blame. So it's going to be interesting, I think, to see if they do try and ramp up his visibility, his um, you know, sort of cultural significance as somebody who is the the face of MGM Mirage. Um, so, you know, he's not like like Wynn and like Adelson and Kerkorian the money man behind the scenes, but he is the corporate guy. Um, you know that they're not going to push Kerkorian out into any kind of a public person, you know, into a public persona position. So um, it would be Murren or no one. And it just remains to be seen what they're going to do. But I think that's interesting. Part you know, problem, oh. you'll go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Part of the problem, I think, is that the whole landscape has changed. You know, since they announced the project, it seemed like building a lot of condos was a really smart thing and was this was going to be the best business decision ever. You know, today it doesn't seem like a very good business decision to build so many condo units on the Strip. So I think that's part of the problem. You know, also the scope of the project changed. When it was first rolled out, this was going to be a place where people would live and work. And if you remember at Podcast Palooza, we had that little blobby rendering and there was an office tower on there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which clearly that's not part of the. You know, there is no, there isn't that kind of office space in the in the project, and I don't think there's the expectation that people would have their first homes there. You know, I think this is clearly predominantly hotel and maybe condo hotel. So I, I think the very nature of the project has changed. Plus, you've got the Harmon stuff kind of hanging over it, which I think is one of the reasons why they've kind of broken it up into, pardon the pun, different facets of it. Where you've got, you know, Aria, Vidara, and the the crystals, or the facets, whatever it's called, <laughs> the shopping thing, and the Mandarin, and you don't really hear so much about the others, you know, the condo uh, beer or um, Harmon. So I think really they, the challenge isn't just in their marketing of it. The challenge is that the assumptions that they had when they started building it are not true anymore, and the nature of the project has changed, so it would be hard to promote a consistent message. Jeff, Jeff, you you mentioned tying Murren to the project, and it, you know I I feel like they have that he that he is very much tied to this project. I mean, after handed out this um, sketch that Dave was just referring to uh, when we when we sat with him, and you know it, it says right on there this was conceived by current chairman Jim Murren. I mean, I just feel like he's so tied to this project. He is tied to it, but he has not. You know, that's that's among our our little circle and. You know, quite frankly, it's not a very big circle um, of folks who, you know, pay acute attention to the business. I think if you, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone around the United States sure. um, who's going to say, oh, Jim Murren. But, but it's what pretty about- darn easy to find Steve Wynn, people who know who Steve Wynn is. And what I'm wondering is, do they do the commercial where Jim, Jim Murren's like, you know, I built this place, right. and it is awesome. Come here, you know, or, you know, hey, uh, um, you know, uh, who's the guy uh, at the Luxor show? Chris, hey, Chris Angel, here's your towel, you know, or whatever we right. used to do to Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you know, although I can't imagine they'd pick Chris what? Angel. But, you know, um, you, you, you can't imagine. And for me, quite frankly, it's tough to imagine Jim Murren in that kind of a role. Sure. And he may choose to not take that kind of a role. That's what I was talking about, sure. more of a public 
persona rather than I think everyone in the business knows he is tied to it, um, you know, either like a balloon or like an anchor. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to see how the tie is. Well, I've, wait, I've got a great I, idea. You could have him making a peanut butter and banana sandwich for the Elvis show. <laughs> there you go. See, well, what I'm wondering is, you know, if if it doesn't do well, the investment community certainly knows this was his idea. Does he have a? Can he survive a complete failure of City Center? At, at well, the-, the company probably can't survive a complete <laughs> failure of City Center. So, you know, and 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 you had um, Gordon Absher said that at Podcast of Palooza. I mean, this company is tied hook, line, and sinker. Now they only own half of it, and you know, I mean, I'm not to, not to say that it's pieces can't survive, but as a corporate entity, they, you know, they absolutely require city center to thrive. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. So if that's the However case, Jeff, if, if, if the case is that they, that they have to, you know, this thing has to be a success, then why would they not call out the entire floodgates of marketing to announce that this thing is open. They, well, it, I, it, it's conceivable that they, they, you know, they, they are, you know, there's, they, they probably don't want to ramp initial expectations so high that 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 would be setting themselves up for a quicker failure. Um, I, my personal belief is that, you know, they what they really need is for the economy to improve, and so by you know, sort of delaying, pushing back sales of condos, giving the lower prices, um, doing, you know, getting as much occupancy, as high room rates as they can up front, um, and, you know, doing standard um, marketing. I'm not, I'm not, you know, they're going to do, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not going to do strong marketing. I'm sure they're going to do very strong marketing. It probably wouldn't be commensurate with the investment in the property maybe compared to what Wynn did in 2005 because of diminishing returns. I think that there just isn't, you know, they're not going to get the same bang for their buck for marketing dollars that Wynn and, quite frankly, Bellagio and every other property in town enjoyed when Wynn opened. Um, you know, this is more of a case where the the upside in terms of visitation um, is going to be strongly offset by the downside of increased capacity. Um, and so um, it's just, I think that they are going to market strong, but they're not going to market insanely strong. Um, and, uh, you know, they're certainly hoping that it will ramp up slowly but surely as, and their fingers are crossed, I'm sure, that the economy improves. And that's probably the biggest, you know, sticking point is that I'm not sure how many people expect long-term improvement in the economy. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting all huffy here. <laughs> yeah, well, trying, to, trying to think about it, just, it just, you know, I just, uh, but, but I, I, I took a little half a breath there, Jeff, while you're speaking, and, and I remembered something. When Las Vegas opened in April, Ari is opening in a week before Christmas. So, you know, just by the very nature of these two things, you know, I guess. It would be stupid to assume that they would make a big marketing push for for something at that time. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, well, Win said he regretted opening at that month. I mean, he he that's why you know he opened Encore in December. 
Um, it's much easier to, you know, for Win, it's all about making sure the customer's initial impression, initial experience, and subsequent experiences are, you know, spectacular, are awesome. Inter you know, relations with people, connections with people and the product have to be good. It's tough to open a property of that size, 4,000 rooms or in city centers, case, you know, more than two times that big, um, including all of its components, it's tough to make sure everything's running smoothly right off the bat in a, in a month when you're going to have, you know, have to hit with all cylinders running. So, you know, it's beneficial to them, I think, in the long run that they will have presumably, you know, a little less a little less business than you would in one of the higher visitation times of the year. Well, I think the frustrating thing for me is that even though I'm hopeful about the project, just what I've heard about it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence because it seems to be that, well, we believe that it'll, it'll grow the market by 5%, which is about the amount of rooms that it's going to add to the market. So we think we're basically going to be treading water, and we hope it'll do better when the economy picks up. And, you know, that's not what you needed this bold, visionary, architectural master statement for was just to – to you know, tread water and wait for the for the market to pick up. You know, I mean, anybody can say that. They could say that down at the Riviera. So you know, I, I, when they are people who are very talented, you know, you expect a lot from those people. So I think that's what you know. I'm hoping for something really like wow. Out there. Well, I think Murren predicted a 10% year-over-year visitation change, fueled primarily by city center in in 2010 compared with 2009. And, you know, whether it's 5 or 10%, any growth in this environment when the trend lines have been down over, the, over more than the last year and a half, you know, it, it would be hard to argue, I think, that that's pretty successful. Um, you know, it's reversing the trend, which is hard to do. I mean, you know, maybe without City Center, we'd be down another 5 10 15% year under year. And if he actually were able to achieve a 10% year-over-year improvement, um, that would more than offset the capacity increase um, and certainly would benefit his company, which, which um, unfortunately holds a whole lot of that capacity. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that it's probably unreasonable to expect the, the win-opening effect um, or the Bellagio, Paris, Venetian, Mandalay Bay opening effect. But, you know, and, and I think that, and quite frankly, Dave, I agree that or I, I don't believe that Murren's going to achieve his 10% um, improvement. Uh, but I think that that is a big reach for them. If they get it, you'd probably have to say City Center was, was pretty darn successful at, at ending the string of down, 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 down. Um, if that if if it does end, um, you know, city center at least did something for the market. Um, whether it's going to be enough for MGM, that's a good question. But I think 10% is a pretty ambitious goal in this environment. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, um, we we've talked a long time about Aria. I want to quickly segue to a couple of other points before we uh, before we close for the day. Um, and this this. This first one will be real quick. Uh, financial results came out for several gaming companies this week. Um, I don't think there's anything all that interesting in in them. I mean, other than the fact that people aren't doing very well, um, but that's not news for anybody. Uh, it seems like the trend of the last few quarters is continuing. 
Uh, some people are barely holding on above above zero. Others are posting some losses and taking some charges. Um, one thing I did see that was kind of interesting, Wynn Resorts CFO Matt Maddox is the highest paid uh, employee of a public company under 40 years old. Did, uh, did you guys know that? That seems crazy to me. I just not, Maybe not crazy, but I was surprised to find that out. There's a dose of people under 40 in those kind of jobs. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I, I didn't realize he was uh, so young, but I guess he's, you know, he's their sort of financial wonderkind. And uh, with his uh, with his <clears throat> bonus situation, he did quite well last year, but it was just an interesting stat. I don't know how um, to stay motivated after making $18 million in a year. I, mean, I don't know about <laughs> you guys, but that would be enough for me to hang up my gloves and just uh, – <laughs> I think you know you know Dave I think if you're the CFO of a major company like Wynn and you're under 40 you had to be pretty ambitious to begin with so Yeah I guess so I have a feeling you know he, like what could you do with 36 million that you couldn't do with 18 million Yeah well maybe thought about the money and all that yeah I guess not I guess you like doing that kind of work but Yeah uh, seems like a pretty stressful job I'm sure it is but apparently he does it quite well yeah, um so good for him Yes Hey Hunter Yes. I, I have an economy, I have a haiku that would allow you to summarize your earnings. Okay. <laughs> Vegas getting crushed. Macau's doing a lot better. Economy sucks. There you <laughs> dealt with it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That you know that something like that belongs on Twitter. That's just perfect for Twitter. It is. Um, okay. Before we go, I want to quick, quickly segue to Fontainebleau. And actually, I got a, que- a question from a, a listener that was kind of interesting. And, and basically, this is sort of an exercise in imagining a potential future. Um, you know, what he's asking is basically two questions. Could Penn National actually make a project like Fontainebleau work, um, or could anyone make it work? And the second part of the question is, is tearing it down really a viable option? There was a piece in a Union Gaming Research Point last week where they – considered that in a serious, you know, in a semi-serious way. I mean, the materials are worth something. Uh, the places, you know, if, if your car was, if someone crashed into your car and it cost, it was worth, le- worth less than the cost to fix it, they call that totaling it. It's like the Fontaine Blue has been totaled, basically. It'll, <laughs> it'll cost more to, to finish it than it's worth. Um, so with those two questions, I guess we'll start with the first one. It, you know, it, Let's assume. Let's say that something happened and Penn National got the property. Is there a way that they could actually make that thing work in its location within the environment that they're in? Do the numbers even possibly make sense? I doubt it. I I think the company's way too risk averse, and I just don't think. I first of all, I don't think they would ever pull the trigger on it. Second, second of all, I don't think you could take the the clientele that they're you know used to dealing with with their casinos and whatnot and somehow tie that into what you'd have to charge a pretty hefty room rate to make any money off of. You know, I think you need something more upscale. So I, right. I would, I'm not very optimistic about Penn National's chances. I think they're fishing. <laughs> they're fishing for some big money partner to come in and say, hey, we'd like you, Penn National, to, uh, you know, go in, you know, for, for, Maybe to split or have the uh, the additional uh, you know angel investor put up most of the money and Penn National run it. I th- I think that that's what they're looking for. Whether it would be someone like James Packer, you know, who already had a you know significant probably lost investment in Fontainebleau, um, but you know whether they'll get it, I don't know. I you know I read that Union Gaming piece with interest. Um, you know, I mean, all along I've thought you know it just it just looks 
too far along to uh, to tear down. But so much of the remaining cost is, you know, filling up those rooms with their their hard goods, which are very expensive. You know, the the beds and the TVs and the you know the bathroom fixtures and all those kind of things, as well as you know a full slot floor at you know ten thousand or more each machine. You know, you're already talking about tens of millions there. Um, you know, there's a lot of money. Um, that it would take in, you know, the estimate is one and a half billion, could be as much as two. Those numbers make it pretty difficult. But, you know, I mean, I still refuse to believe that somebody won't won't do it or combine with someone else to do it. You know, Penn National, you know, they say that they're interested, but they've been, you know, sniffing around for a long time and they can't pull the trigger. So until they uh, prove to me that they're more than, you know, some riverboat, company that got a lucky uh, contract dissolution, um, I uh, am a skeptic about them. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to go out, I'm going to walk the plank on this one and uh, <laughs> and, and play my, Steve Wynn often says the opposite of what he's going to do card. And he uh, stated in the, in the, I read the transcript of the uh, earnings call the other day, he said that he's never been inside that building, he's never right. looked around. He doesn't know what the insides were look like, and I believe uh, Jeff didn't Liz report the opposite that uh, that he had been in there and walked around and kicked. She did, and he also said in his call that he's not doing anything in the United States until he has a better fix on how our government's exactly. handling the economy. And they just raised three billion dollars, right? Didn't they just uh, kick scare up a big pile of cash there to do nothing with? So he did. You know, Knowing the fact that he loves to buy low when things are bad and will take property that's there that has just been redone or half done, i.e. the Desert Inn, and knock it right down without even thinking about it six months later, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to walk the plank here and take a big stack of these chips that are sitting here on my desk, and I'm going to put them on Steve Wynn to buy uh, Fontainebleau. Uh, secretly on the sly, knock the place down, let it sit for a little while, and then build something. He'll buy it as a gift for his girlfriend, right? Bought the <laughs> desert in for Elaine, so he's got to buy something for the new one. That's great. Like where, when's, when's Andrea's birthday, or isn't that her name? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, tearing it down sounds like on face value sounds like a crazy thing to suggest. But I don't, this thing just seems like it, – it just is one of those things where you just can't – I'm having a hard time imagining how it ever gets finished in a reasonable way. I mean, I don't know. I think Echelon gets torn down. I think, yeah. you know, that's why – you know, somebody's going to have a whole different plan. That will get torn down. Um, you know, and, and, and I wouldn't say that it's impossible – that Fontainebleau gets torn down. I just refuse to believe it yet. But yeah. um, and as for as for wind buying it, I mean, you know, he is a very you know sharp buyer of real estate. Um, there is a couple properties, you know, the Riviera and some some commercial junk that's between his his um, property and Fontainebleau. But you know, I mean, it wouldn't that it would not shock me, um, but uh, it would surprise me. And on that note, I think we're going to close it up. I think that's a good way to end it for today. Um, I want to thank you guys for being here. I'm going to go around the table so that people can you can tell people where they can tell people to where they can find you or something like that. Dr. Dave, where can people track you down? I'm at gaming.unlv.edu and diescast.com. Mr. Jeff Simpson, how about you? 
not in a costume, fleeing from all the degenerates in Las Vegas this weekend. Nice. And Mr. Chuck Monster, how about you? Uh, you can find me at uh, VegasTripping.com. Excellent. Uh, you can find me at RateVegas.com. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.